हेलो एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ पाकिस्तान मेरा नाम उजैर यूनुस है और आज हमारे वन ऑफ आर मोस्ट फ्रीकुंट गेस्ट खुरम हुसैन मौजूद है हमारे साथ कराची से और खुरम से हमने कुछ हफ्ते पहले भी बात की थी इकोनॉमी के ऊपर क्या होने वाला है वो अगर आपने सुनी नहीं एपिसोड तो यू शुड लिसन टू इट टू गेट अ मोर डिटेल बैकग्राउंड इन टर्म्स ऑफ ऑल दैट हैपन एंड आई फिगर्ड के यू नो खुरम ब्रिंगिंग यू बैक ऑन वॉज इम्पोर्टेंट क्योंकि इस हफ्ते आईएमएफ की डेलीगेशन आई हुई है बातचीत चल रही है आज वजीर आजम साहब ने हमारी रिकॉर्डिंग से कुछ घंटों पहले ही टेररिज्म की एपेक्स कमेटी के अंदर हेडलाइन बन गई आईएमएफ तो उस पर भी बात करेंगे बट फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल वेलकम बैक एंड आई होप यू डूइंग वेल एज वेल एज वन कैन बी उटकास्ट But so give us an overview of where things are. There's a big IMF delegation in Islamabad for nine days, which is un, in my view unprecedented. Um, and then of course all of the news headlines have not been reassuring in the sense that the finance when the finance minister of a nuclear armed nation starts talking to charitable trusts to raise two billion dollars over five years, I don't know about you, but I get very concerned. Uh, so catch catch us up to speed about all that has happened in this action packed week in pakistan okay what's happened is that uh, pakistan came has come in fact precariously close to a situation where the foreign exchange reserves genuinely run out that uh, the country is unable to pay for its uh, foreign trade and uh, and imports it's a energy dependent country uh, it's an it, it's dependent on imports to meet its energy requirements and uh, the energy supply chain shutting down is now increasingly looking like a possibility um even about a month or so back or there we used to talk about it more as a as 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 a scenario uh today it's a live possibility and uh, last week the government took some critical actions uh to unlock the 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 uh IMF talks that had been at an impasse since uh September and uh, it floated the exchange rate which was one of the core demands of the IMF um and as soon as that happened the very next day the IMF announced that they they announced the dates for the mission a forthcoming mission and uh, the dates uh, so so the, the the exchange rate was floated on a thursday on a friday the the uh, mission they they announced the mission and they said the imf will be arriving on monday and uh, that two talks will begin from tuesday onwards which is feb 1 and will run all the way through feb 9 which as you pointed out uh, is a very very long mission uh, which clearly shows that there is a lot to talk about and to uh, and to discuss <clears throat> which is why they've given so much time um so one of the core demands has been met which is the flotation of the exchange rate and clearly a very very heavy agenda remains to be talked about so on monday uh, now what happened is that on thursday as the exchange rate was floated by end of trade friday i was for one expecting that the dollar would more or less have found its footing and the weekend would be spent by firms sort of, and the rest of us sort of pricing in the new level of the of the us dollar against the rupee 
Um, but that didn't happen. And uh, instead, <clears throat> the, the exchange rate continued to see volatility on Monday morning and on through Monday as well, uh, leaving a question mark about, you know, well, where is all this going? And are we really going to, uh, um, uh, I mean, at, at what point will the dollar find its level? The, it, uh, the volatility began to show some signs of plateauing out on Tuesday, <clears throat> when the when the discussions and the conversations began with the IMF, and there was a certain sense, so I think a lot of people, myself included, allowed ourselves a little uh, um, sliver of optimism that uh, <clears throat> now that the, the fund mission is here, the government is moving to meet the, the, the requirements, um, that quite possibly they'll work something out. And uh, we will not really go over the edge in the sense that um, you know, right now the imports, uh, <clears throat> the import supply chain is disrupted in the country, but at least essential items are still getting, getting through. Um, but the, the whole crisis takes a new shape altogether once energy imports start being hit. That, in a sense, is the third rail to be watching for. Oil marketing companies have been warning for a couple of weeks that they are having a hard time opening LC, securing and uh, getting supplies into Pakistan, <clears throat> those warnings are getting more up, up, sort of sounding with a bit more frequency than they were a few months ago, which is worrying. <clears throat> so nevertheless, when the talks began, it seemed that they'll find uh, a way forward. Um, the exchange rate began to settle somewhere on Wednesday, and I'm focusing on the exchange rate because it is a very key metric at this point in time. It's where a lot of the uncertainty prevailing in the rest of the economy is, in a sense, focused. Uh, the exchange rate has become the lightning rod for the anxieties that otherwise permeate the economy all over the place. Um, so it's a good place to keep an eye on whether or not this ship is stabilizing and finding uh, uh, calm waters. And on Wednesday, we saw the first signs of that beginning to happen. So you could look at the opening, the rate at which the dollar opened and the rate at which it closed. Then there wasn't a huge spread. In fact, there was a slight down, you know, the, 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 the exchange rate came down slightly uh, by the close of trade, which was a good, good enough signal that, okay, maybe um, uh, things are beginning to settle on that market. And then this morning, almost as if on cue, the prime minister's statement comes out. And it came out sort of, uh, you know, I, I first saw it late morning. I think it was late morning, early afternoon. Somewhere I was out, but somebody sent me a message and I checked. And, uh, and there it was. He's saying the IMF is giving us a hard time. And uh, once again, there was a blowout on the exchange rate. Once again, the financial markets pounced on that. They, they reacted to that. Maybe pounced is the wrong word. Yeah, they reacted to uh, to that saying, uh-oh, maybe the talks aren't going that well uh, after all. Um, and uh, and maybe they will not find their way through to a staff level agreement, which is what should happen by Feb 9 when the talks conclude. There should be a formal statement from the IMF saying that we have reached a staff level agreement. Um, and, uh, and once again, the volatility broke up all over again. Um, maybe they'll do something. Maybe the government will uh, take cognizance of the fact that uh, their own statements triggered uh, volatility in the financial markets. I understand uh, 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 international capital markets, Pakistani paper in international capital markets also saw renewed volatility on, uh, today. Coupon rates on uh, bonds maturing in April 2024, for example, um, 
fell one more time after they had sort of recovered from their lows in uh, in December. The rates that I saw were somewhere around 56. I believe they had touched about 62, 63, somewhere somewhere around December. Um, and, and the stock market fell uh, at the same time. So where things stand is that uh, we are keeping a close eye on the news flow coming out of these stocks. There are a handful of reporters uh, trying their best to penetrate what are otherwise very opaque proceedings. And uh, the, the tidbits that are coming out show that there is indeed a heavy agenda. For example, $600 billion of rev worth of new revenue measures need to be announced by the government and need to be- You mean 600 upon. rupees, just to correct, 600 it's a, I'm, I'm really sorry, 600 billion rupees. The exchange rate is on my exchange mind. Exchange rate, uh, yeah. But a 600 billion rupee uh, uh, package of new revenue measures needs to be agreed upon. And uh, not only that the government just says, okay, we will do these things. It needs to be something that is credible and that can between now and June generate up to that level of, uh, of, uh, of, of fresh revenues, um, which means the reliance has to be placed on the most elastic uh, revenue lines that there are. There's no room now to say, you know, to float outlandish plans that, oh, we'll install point of sale machines and retailers and at the same time, uh, net their transactions and increase our tax base and increase our revenues. Well, you know, that sounds like a great plan that Mr. Shokhatarin came up with two years ago, but it didn't really work in reality. Well, they're going to need something uh, far more realistic. And that basically means taxes on power, on fuel. It means uh, hiking of uh, um, income tax rates on salaried people and uh, corporate income tax rates. It means super taxes and on... Um, um, big corporates, uh, another slew of withholding taxes on exporters, importers, banking transactions. These are the sort of more liquid or more uh, elastic revenue lines available to the state. And it, it is from these that they are going to have to find 600 billion additional rupees uh, to satisfy the fund with. And this will have to be done in the next few days. Uh, coupled with that, uh, there's a, there was a circular debt reduction plan that they were supposed to announce. News coming out of the meetings is that whatever plan was placed before them, now we haven't seen the details, uh, but whatever plan was placed before them lacked the credibility and doesn't seem to have gone. On the which... circular debt plan, I want to, you know, because I heard something similar and I was, I think it was yesterday afternoon Eastern time, I was catching up with sort of the you know, the Metab Heathers and the Shabazz Ranas of the world sort of giving us an update. And there were at least two of the few journalists you mentioned who's reporting, you know, we all are relying on. And right? And so one, people, everyone's eyes on their reporting. one of the things they said, which, you know, I sort of paused and sort of had to hit the pause screen literally on the interview I was watching was this proposal that we will do the rate hikes in a staggered manner. I think it was Khurram Dastagir Khan, uh, the minister uh, who was on Shabazz Rana's show, I think was talking about this. And then there was a conversation that came in other parts uh, about it. And you tell me what you think about this, because when I heard the minister say this, and then I heard Shabazz and Metav sort of, you know, give their own takeaways on what's going on with the circular debt management plan, was that, you have to be a bit clueless to propose this to the IMF when 
for the last so many months uh, ignore even shaukat tareen just ignore do september onwards when dar saab came back the government has shown a uh, uh, a sort of an inability to follow through on its promises uh, when it says yes so it signs the dotted line ke ha ha kar lenge paise aa jate hain aur fir mukar jate hain so for a yeah. minister to propose something as i see it as preposterous right um that we will stagger this now and then a bit in the summer and then a bit in august so give us some time are they clueless are they lying are they delusional what wh- how does a minister make that offer when he knows the background of where things have come from um okay look there are a number of failures that are operating right now at the government level so one of those is uh, at least the impression now this is just me sharing my impressions right this is not inside information or anything quite so fancy but i'm getting the impression that they that, that number one they're not talking to each other uh, in the way that they should be the the power division and the power minister ought to have been speaking to the finance minister the two of them ought to have been speaking with the petroleum minister the three of them ought to have been speaking with the prime minister and each one of them should have had a very structured and a very tight mechanism to collectively pull together their respective resources the governmental resources under their charge and uh, pull together a plan and sorry uh, to interrupt to- you here like i'll give the audience an example of what you're getting at because in that same interview minister khuram dastagir said well if the finance ministry released the subsidy for power in a timely basis there would be no circular debt and i was like does that even matter if he releases the payments to you in a timely manner it goes into the fiscal deficit bucket instead of the circular deficit bu- bucket in any case it's debt that has to be taken on because you are not meeting your receivables with the amounts payable right and it's an example of what you're getting at it's exactly the kind of thing i'm getting at and you know you actually took it one step further i would simply stop when he says that and say ke bhai by the time the imf mission has arrived in pakistan and the crucial talks have begun this is a conversation you should have had and sorted out with your colleague your minister by now you should not be sitting on the air on the second day of the parlays sharing this with the general public um the obvious question would be where did you tell the finance minister this what did he say in response and did the two of you arrive at some kind of a solution a way to sort of manage this and say okay you know we will release this much money you will raise tariffs by that much we'll know whatever it is by now there ought to have been a solution to this they should not be saying like in you know in my department everything is fine but that guy there is not doing his job right and as a result it's creating problems for me not now not today not on the second day of the parlays after the mission has arrived these should these should these issues should have been worked out and this would happen when there is ownership at the top that is something that i'm looking for and uh, repeatedly i'm uh, coming up against the same impression uh, was that the prime minister is not coming across to me as somebody who is really involved with the details or never mind involved who's even familiar with the details um of the conversation that pakistan is ha- having with the imf 
you know, the situation is serious enough that it requires the, and especially if interministerial coordination is, uh, is an issue at play. That's a classic example for the prime minister to step in and say, okay, you tell me what problem are you having? And I'll flag here for the audience one more thing that, you know, it kind of, we could have maybe given some brownie points if let's say one minister was from the PMLN, the other was from the PPP, the other was from the JUIF, and they don't get along and we kind of get coalition politics. You know, there's a whole science to it, understanding it, and we could have been giving a bit more leeway. But all of these guys are from the same party and they've been in the same party for a long, long time. So it's not like they don't get along. They're part of the same team, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, look, ordinarily, there is absolutely no excuse for members of a government to not coordinate with each other and to, to, to you know, show outward signs of this kind of coordination failure, this inability on their part to sort of come and, gel, and click together as a team and solve the problem that is there before them together. They're not, this is not up to one person alone to solve this problem. They have to learn to work together. And if they don't, I don't think we're going to get there. Uh, otherwise, all they'll have, eventually, they'll just have to sign the dotted line and just sign whatever the IMF dictates. Because mind you, the IMF doesn't exactly dictate to countries. It doesn't say you must do this. What the IMF says is that we need to see revenues of about this much in order for you to be able to meet your primary deficit target. How do you plan to raise those revenues? And if you don't have a credible plan yourself, then they step forward and say, well, that's not working. This is how you're going to do it. And they simply invoke the most elastic lines, revenue lines. Likewise, with the circular debt, they'll say, what's your circular debt reduction plan? If you don't have a credible plan to put before them, they'll simply say, well, go ahead and raise tariffs. Then That's the, the, the last and, uh, and simplest solution. Um, it doesn't do uh, the consumers any good. And it certainly eats away the government's political capital. Uh, but uh, then the IMF says, if there's a better way, uh, what is it? You tell us. And it's up to the government in question at that time to put something credible on the table. Um, I don't, I don't see that happening right now. And uh, I fear that they will. You know, the time for half measures is gone. The time for saying, well, we'll increase this, but we'll do it in a staggered way. Um, increase the, or soften the target for us by this much. All those things have already been done. This program has been augmented, it has been softened, and it has been lengthened, it has been pro uh, prolonged. Um, it, you know, that's not going to continue forever. The other so, thing I want to I wanna touch on with you, so you said taxes is the first thing. There's a circular debt management plan. Um, that's the other. Um, what are the, is there anything else that's a big ticket item that that's still part that needs to be hashed out? Because from my perspective, those are the two big ones. And I was wondering if, if there was anything else no, that's no, also there, left. There are a couple of other big ones. I think expenditure cuts, but I think those may be last in the, in the discussions ongoing. There's one thing in particular, you know, when the IMF made the announcement that they are, I'm talking about last Friday's announcement, when they, when they said that they are sending a mission that will arrive on Monday. There's one phrase in there that they used, uh, and it said to uh, restore the, 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 the functioning of the financial markets. Um, I think the word restore may not have been used, but uh, I, I forget the exact language, but there's something to do with um, to get the financial markets working again. I, I think this may turn out to be a bigger uh, a, a bigger deal than, um, than the government may be bargaining for. I don't know to what extent they are prepared. 
Because if you unpack this statement, what that really means is they've got to clear the backlog uh, that is piling up on the imports uh, side. Uh, but at the same time, they've got to unwind the, the forward positions that the state bank has taken, very short-term forward positions. Um, because that is actually, those are emergency measures. And that's uh, the state and bank- And that was what, $700 million? The estimates I'm hearing are saying about five, $600 million. We saw Brad Setzer tweeting uh, higher numbers earlier this morning. Frankly, the state bank hasn't really released this data since October. Uh, I haven't checked in the last few days, but it hasn't really been released. So, so I'm not sure where Brad is getting his figures from. Um, but you know, if we speak to sources within the interbank market, the figures I was getting were saying about five, $600 million worth of borrowing. These positions are going to have to be unwound, and um, uh, you know only then will you have normal functioning financial markets. Um, and uh, what this basically means is that uh, as soon as you get the money, uh, you've got to open up your import supply line. You've got to start clearing all the LCs that have already been uh, uh, accumulated. Uh, I don't know what the amount for those is. The LCs waiting to be cleared at the the cargoes waiting clearance at the ports and those waiting to be laden at uh, uh, ports of lading, um, and then unwinding these positions. So I think pretty much all the money, if not more than what the IMF is going to give as its first tranche, should be consumed just in this process alone. Well, let's do the math, right? Because I was actually looking forward. You read my mind. I wanted to do this math with you. Mota, mota agar kare. Oh, go for it. I love it when you so, get into the numbers. So, so let, let's do this. $3 billion left in the official reserves. Um, and let's assume that this is, uh, you know, some, some miracle happens on Monday where the IMF gives its billion and then, uh, you know, everything comes from the Qataris, UAE, Saudi, China. Let's assume Pakistan gets a whopping $10 billion on Monday, right? Let's, let's get our hopes up. Um, Why? No, wait. Why are we doing that? Why 10? I'm just saying 1 billion from there. So if, if it's 1 billion from, let, let's break it down actually. 1 billion from the IMF, right? That's the tranche coming in. That no, no, run the numbers on five, okay? Because 1 billion IMF, 2 billion Saudi, 1 billion UAE, and let's just say 2 billion from uh, well-wishers, okay? From well okay. Chalo, five kar Aapne aadha kar diya, chale, five kar diya. Aapne five kar diya. ridiculous hai. But five pe aap mujhe bataya hai. Paan se karte hai. To paan se... अगर हम करें तो पांच में से जो है दो बिलियन फॉर्मर फाइनेंस मिनिस्टर सेस फोर बिलियन स्टक एट पोर्ट्स ऐसे कर्डेड बाय हाफ वी डोंट नो द एक्सेक्ट नंबर सो टू बिलियन इस स्टक इट्स अ बिट मच तो टू बिलियन गोज आउट द विंडो देयर ओके सो यू're बैक टू व्हाट फ्रॉम एट यू कम डाउन टू सिक्स um then you've got 3 billion in debt payments according to the uh, governor of the central bank um so that's three gone so you're back at three essentially which is where we are right now there's half a billion of forward swaps that need to be unwound. So you're at two and a half. Um, and then let's assume if Pakistan runs a current account deficit monthly on average for the next three months or so, four months at half a billion, that's two billion. You're at zero, basically, by June again. Um, and so, you know, and uh, that zero, by the way, has three billion from Saudi as a deposit and two billion from the Chinese as a safe deposit. So you're negative five. Uh, in in terms of net holdings of the state bank. So even if best case scenario materializes, you're basically broke by June 2023. Yes. 
and I think that's uh, uh, something that had become amply clear to, to us at least uh, a few months ago even, that the best case scenario that we can possibly uh, uh, sketch out uh, basically takes the way the things are right now out to June. Right. It means that instead of going over the edge in, uh, in, uh, in February, you're looking at possibly going over the edge in June instead. Um, to me, the conclusion here is clear, right? As soon as this program ends, there's going to be another IMF program. There's no other way um, for, for, for the country. But and right just, now, yeah, best just, case scenario is five till June. Yeah, and just to add to this, we didn't even take into account roughly $2 billion in dividends that are supposed to be repatriated. And we are assuming import rationing, which is why half a billion in current account deficits. Right? We're not saying new letters of credit will open the way they were six months ago. Um, yeah. So I just, I mean, and I remember, Khuram, you may remember this conversation when last February, before uh, when Shokat Tareen agreed to the new um, resumption of the program, uh, we did a Twitter space and we ran through the gross external financing yes. numbers. We you remember that? that? Yes, I do remember that. We should do it again. This was our question at that point in time. How do you finance everything that's laid out in that February document? And the answer yes, was, we don't know. And now here we, we are. And, and, and here we are. And uh, I remember in uh, July, there was a July 2022, there was a big question mark hanging over the external financing plan. Um, the then finance minister Mifta Ismail was running all over the place trying to arrange at least letters of support from bilateral creditors like Saudi, UAE, Qatar, and uh, China, saying trying to raise enough just in letters of support, not actual dollars, but just a letter saying, yeah, you know, we would consider giving Pakistan a billion dollars uh, down the road. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, a college applicant uh, scrambling to arrange uh, a letter of reference. Yeah. You know, and you imagine a scenario where like, you know, somebody's, uh, uh, some, somebody's been turned down by one professor. They've gone to one and the, that guy's turned them down saying, no, I will not write you one. And now suddenly you're like going through your list. And you're forwarding well. forwarding the same attachment to everybody else, changing the name and saying, hey, apne letterhead pe dal ke is pe kar de bas. Sign kar do, yaar, please. Which was type ki situation bani di, July, August, mein, right? And then in August, the state bank tells us, oh, look, we're overfinanced on the on the current account side, the external financing needs. And why are people worried about that? Uh, but these were commitments and they were conditional on staying on a on a on a functioning IMF program, uh, which of course the government chose not to do. The government thought that they had better ideas. They can uh, uh, shout things down a little bit, you know. So they can shout at the bankers and shout at the exporters and and shout at the IMF and uh, and and see if they can bend reality to their will a little bit that way. Uh, these are people who seem to be used to doing things that way. Uh, uh, they seem to be used to getting their way uh, by just sort of, you know, demanding it firmly. The other uh, thing I want to get, the other thing I want to get your take on before I forget, sorry to interrupt again. Um, you mentioned the central bank. What do you make of their role in all of this? Because it's something that, you know, we offline talked about this as well. And I want the audience to listen to this exchange as well, because a week before the peg broke, the governor of the central bank was again on Shahzeb Khanzada's show saying that the market value of the rupee is what it is, 2230 rupees to the dollar. 
less than 48 hours after he made that statement, the peg broke. And now yes. here we are, we talked about the exchange rate already. What do you make of the central bank and what the governor has done in this entire crisis? Well, frankly speaking, to be very, very frank, I don't really see a central bank in Pakistan. I don't see a governor of a central bank in Pakistan. I see a monetary authority. Um, I wouldn't call it a central bank because uh, I imagine a central bank to be an entity that is somewhat autonomous and, uh, and operates independently of governments. What we have is a monetary authority that is behaving like an attached department of the finance ministry, like the economic affairs division. Or, uh, actually, even that is no, no longer an attached department, right? Um, but, uh, you know, okay, that, that, that sounds harsh, I know, uh, but I stand by it. Um, I think the central bank has basically, I mean, it, it lost it, a lot of its credibility a long time ago. It lost it when, um, um, I mean, it would be hard to say when they actually had a great deal of credibility. But uh, I think through this particular crisis, we had a new central bank governor come in when? Was it uh, August or July? July is something, uh, right? I think, I think it was July because he had come. Right yeah. as Murtaz he Sayyid came after. Had... Yeah, he came after Mitsa has resumed everything in DC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we haven't really seen a central bank operating the way an uh, independent central bank should be. Um, I think the the monetary policy statements that they've been putting out, for example, uh, it. it they're just not making sense anymore. Uh, the, you know, one, one, one statement they're saying inflation seems to be all right. Next time they're saying, well, it's resurging and there's a one percentage point increase followed by another percentage point. I don't even know what these one percentage point increases are supposed to do. Um, you know, I think given where inflation is, where it's going, given the pressures building up on the exchange rate, the time to do something drastic was back in September. Uh, and if the government had failed at that point, if the government had failed to really bring things to closure with the IMF, um, to announce uh, any kind of a fiscal uh, plan, game plan, um, then it, it the ball fell squarely in the state bank's court to say, well, okay, if this is the fiscal reality we are dealing with, if this is the the uh, situation with the with, with the IMF talks, then this is where your monetary policy settings need to be um in um in in relation to this kind of a fiscal situation that's shaping up but now we have a you know i mean it, it was bad enough when the state bank's uh analysis would be outdated within two months when they would say one thing and two months later they would be forced to backpedal but here we've seen it happening in 48 hours yeah. you know so there's not much left to say after that um, if, if a state bank governor's analysis of the exchange rate, something which is such an important part of his portfolio of responsibilities, um, I'm not saying managing the exchange rate, but I'm saying at least being aware of the pressures that are bearing down on the exchange rate and uh, uh, you know building your story in accordance with those pressures. So if, it's a very, very central part of curating the money supply of the country. And uh, that's its core responsibility. And if your analysis is getting disproven within 48 hours, then what's the point? What's the point of putting out any analysis after that? Seriously. What was interesting with, you know, in, in, in that 
in the last uh, few days where this has happened i was listening to the odd lords podcast episode i forget who it was with but it was about the victory of team transitory inflation in the united states and this is a fascinating conversation but the thing that stuck to me as i was listening to it was that the person being interviewed said we live in an era where if the fed chair decides to fundamentally alter the structure of the us yield curve he can do it in 60 seconds by just coming on saying something and the markets will react like that right he was like that and his point was communication matters a lot a lot more in today's age of digitized markets digitized information flows instant connectivity than they did perhaps even 20 years ago or 10 years ago and that made me think about this entire episode with the central bank governor and what you just said because for you to come on prime time television where almost when the governor is speaking everybody who's involved in the economy and the financial markets is watching every single and listening and for him to do this i think it's it's just insanity remember i think i think it was in the same show where he said uh, that next week a billion dollars is about to arrive in pakistan i mean putting yeah. a timeline on it yeah. um, i'm trying to recall now again if it was in that show or whether whether it was in an analyst briefing that they do after the monetary policy agle hafte se paise aana shuru ho jayenge i remember that statement agle hafte se paise aana shuru ho jayenge right um you know as a central bank governor when you put out messages like that in public and they don't come they, and and they don't bear out so it's not good Yeah. it's not good at all and it becomes very hard after that to uh, to to take that individual seriously as a central bank governor then you listen to him the way you would a joint secretary in the in, in the finance ministry for example yeah and i know that minister ki to hum aise hi baat sunte nahi hai aur sunke ek kaan se bhaske nikal dete hain but i think uh, that's been the most disappointing part and and i want to you know towards the end of this conversation khuram um you know we were chatting about this before we hit record um in terms of how you are feeling about this and i i the one of the reasons i bring you on to talk about this is because you've seen these cycles come and go numerous times um and and the median age of pakistan being 25 most people don't remember what has happened right you know we did the twitter space on the dar uh, default uh, in 1998 and all that he did a lot of people just did not know many messages saying oh we had no clue that this had happened um how do you feel given where pakistan is overall in terms of you know at an not at an analytical level but as somebody who's seen these crises come and go is this one more precarious you less hopeful more hopeful like what what's going on in terms of you're on the ground there it's definitely more precarious um it's not very different in terms of its contours <clears throat> and in terms of how the principles are behaving by the way um i remember in 2008 the government was not really giving off um encouraging vibes as the crisis uh, grew in, uh, in 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 nature um and uh, you know we had one finance minister which was isaf dar initially then we had another which was navid kamar and then we had a third which was uh, shaukat tarin and that's when you know a, a handle began to be taken on the situation but the same story was playing out back then in a sense they weren't getting it for the longest time they just weren't getting that the, the matters are serious then hafeez sheikh came after shaukat tarin right if i remember hafeez sheikh came okay. after shaukat yeah. yeah 
So there was loose talk going on, ministers giving odd, odd kind of statements that leave you wondering, you know, what the hell, what did he mean by that? Naveed Kamar just seemed lost as a finance minister. In fact, he went to himself uh, to the prime minister and said, yeah, get me out of finance. I don't like it at all. So Naveed Kamar had actually gone to the prime minister and said that I want out of the finance ministry. Uh, I can't handle this. Uh, you know, Naveed Kamar was, uh, uh, he came across like a very sort of a mellow, laid back, sleepy sort of a, 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 a guy. And uh, <clears throat> I think the pressures on the finance ministry were very intense. There was a circular debt in the power sector. There was a circular debt in the fuels sector. And there was a massive 700 billion rupee, which at that time was huge, 700 billion rupee borrowing from the state bank and an overhang that had to be uh, wound down uh, because it was proving to be incredibly inflationary. Um, but in any case, you know, he, he begged out and then the government uh, for, I think there was a brief period when there was no finance minister and then they actually went searching and they found Shop that Pradeen was willing to take the position. And he came in and then we had somebody who for the first time, and, that, and you know, that was Shokat Tareen's finest hour uh, when he took the bull by the horns and, uh, and, and gave some pretty hard, hardball interviews on television, breathing confidence back into the financial markets that had been shut down. Um, but, you know, in terms of its contours, the crisis was a big, uh, there wasn't this sense of impending catastrophe the way there is today in terms of, you know, because I, I think to some extent, the living example of Sri Lanka is before us. We didn't have such a living example around us. Today, we've seen one country after another going over the edge into default. Um, I'm reading horror stories of uh, what happens when this sort of thing breaks out, you know, Venezuela, Lebanon, uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, we didn't have that in, in those days. There was a, a, a very, very strong uh, relationship with the United States. A brand new government had just come in. So in, in many ways, the, you know, uh, it, it was difficult to imagine at that point in time that a country like Pakistan could fall into uh, a severe balance of payments crisis of the sort that we are facing today. There were too many measures stopping that. But nevertheless, we were so close to the edge. The financial system had shut down. The stock markets were shut. There was a run on the banks that had begun. Um, it didn't, had, hadn't yet reached the big banks, but the four small banks had pretty much run out of liquidity. And they had gone to the state banks saying that you need to now bail us out because we are hit by withdrawals that we can't honor. Uh, so it was pretty serious. But nevertheless, uh, we didn't feel like uh, we feel today. Uh, that, uh, you know, no matter how bad it got, uh, we always knew that it's a matter of time before uh, normality will return. But of course, there will be uh, a hard uh, road to walk before that happens. In 2013, there was, again, uh, not a sense of impending doom, but nevertheless, uh, a sense of an impending crisis. Uh, the power system was shutting down big time. The load shedding in in Lahore, I was getting calls from people I knew saying, yeah, I mean, it's been 18 hours, no electricity, everything is gone. UPS, generator overheated and finished. We are literally sitting here in the dark. Um, and uh, But again, you know, there was an interim government uh, when this uh, situation began to shape up. And we knew that very soon a, a, a full-time government is coming in. 
a government whose mandate and assumption to power is not going to be controversial. This is very important. And when they enter power, it's not in a highly contested, ferocious setting where from the get-go, you know, they're being attacked by the opposition and, and whatnot. And they have the space in which to work. And they did that. Um, and, and very quickly, the power system was uh, put back up and running and, and, and whatnot. 2018 was nowhere near as serious of a crisis. At least it didn't feel that way. There were no active shortages taking, uh, you know, breaking out all around us. Uh, there was no massive volatility on the exchange rate. There was a devaluation that we underwent uh, a few months later, but everybody knew that that was coming. Uh, we were pretty short on reserves at that time. But, you know, as, in terms of the macroeconomics of the situation, yes, the situation was very bad. But it had not yet broken the bounds of the macroeconomic indicators and begun to actively disrupt the uh, you know day-to-day -day life in the way it did in 2008 and in the way it did in 2013. Today is different. Uh, today, that sense in the back of your mind that look, this is bad, but you know it, it's going to be all right. That sense is not there anymore. Um, it's not there with me, but I can also confirm that uh, a lot of people around me um, are finding it hard right now to hold on to that. It's that sense that has gotten us through every such crisis event. Uh, it's that sense that got us through the power breakdown that happened last week. Okay, I mean, a 24-hour power breakdown, but somewhere in the back of your mind, you know that it's a matter of time. The power's going to be back by this evening. It'll be back by tomorrow morning. It'll be back in the afternoon. You know it's a matter of hours. It's coming. And in the meantime, you just sort of like make do. If your UPS has run out, you do something else. Um, the problem is when that sense is not there. And, and, that, and that's the big problem today. Uh, that the sense that's, that something will happen to avert uh, this, this uh, approaching crisis. Um, Pakistan is isolated. Other countries are going over the edge. The crisis is very real. It's hitting day-to-day -day life. Uh, by this point in time. And if these talks with the IMF don't uh, end with a staff level agreement, um, I don't know, well, maybe we should meet again uh, when, when that happens, then figure out. But I think at that point, we'll be in an ex exceedingly serious uh, situation. So that's one of the ways in which this is different. Uh, but in terms of its macroeconomics, I mean, is this the lowest the reserves have ever hit? Probably. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's it's lower by let's say we we had what three weeks uh, import cover in the past it's been about four weeks right so so I mean it's not like heaven and hell the difference between uh, the the macroeconomics of today versus uh, that of the past it's just that the situation the circumstances are such that uh, we don't have any straws uh, at which to clutch and and sort of nurture a sense of optimism it's very hard to do that right. Yeah, and I think that's the, that really, to me, is all, you know, the most concerning thing, right? And and sort of if we were to bring this full circle to where we started, we started this conversation with you talking about how you and I and many of us thought that the currency would stabilize at a certain level, but it didn't. It, you know, the plateau wasn't there, it came and went down further. Um, and maybe that... I, I never actually harbored any hopes or, or, or any sort of a, an expectation of where it will stabilize. I was very much in a wait and see mode. Um, no, yeah, but my point was that, you know, we sort of 
around 270 you know at least i was like okay theek hai yahan pe sambhal jayegi abhi everybody was thinking something right i mean we had people who were saying 250 we had people saying 260 then there were the, the, there were people saying 270 people saying 275 i don't know how people were deriving these numbers yeah um you know the market didn't really give us the permission otherwise to really harbor this expectation yeah and and my my the thing i was thinking about as you're explaining this sort of lack of optimism or or something to grasp at to say that you know things will get better maybe that also explains the the volatility in the currency market as well right people have dollarized they have hoarded on to dollar denominated assets and if they don't have that sense of reassurance in the back of their mind excuse me then perhaps it makes sense why they haven't liquidated what we would expect them to start liquidating their dollar positions. And then, of course, the communication stuff we talked about doesn't help the situation. But I think that's where this crisis, at least to me, seems different is, is yeah. people are yeah. not are refusing to budge or change their expectations of the future simply because they don't have that sense of optimism. I think they're waiting for a sign. They don't quite know what that sign will be, but they are waiting for some kind of a sign. I don't think people are waiting for a price and say, okay, that it hit 280 and then yeah. I'll sell. But they're waiting for some kind of a sign that makes it very clear to them that, okay, now we're turning the corner. Yeah. And uh, the, the staff level agreement could be one of those signs, uh, followed perhaps by a Saudi announcement and a UAE announcement. Because the state bank governor now telling us how oh, dollars are about to arrive. Well, I don't think anyone's going to uh, really put any... Uh, any. Well, they might do the reverse, actually, based on what he's saying. Yeah, but I think that's what's going on. Uh, yeah. that, that people are waiting for some kind of a sign that they can uh, count on, that they can rely on. And it would have to come from outside the country. It's, it, yeah. it's not a sign that will come from within. Uh, well, uh, let's, let's let's see what happens. And again, thank you for your time, for your candid thoughts on this. And again, uh, hoping that something positive comes out from this weekend or maybe Monday. And we'll continue to see what shapes up next week. Uh, in the meantime, take care. Um, and we'll stay in touch and keep following the situation. And uh, for the audience, again, I'll, I'll repeat this message Um if you are in Pakistan or you're abroad and you're sort of following the situation, um, take care of those less privileged around you. It's a tough time. It's going to get tougher. So whatever you can do to be, you have some empathy, help out. If you can't help out financially, help out in other ways, but do that because it's, uh, you know, many of us are privileged uh, to not be impacted by it as much as uh, those in the lower middle end of the spectrum in terms of their income levels. But um, it is a difficult period and it's only going to get difficult. So that's my message to all of you is to, you know, take care of those around you uh, and stay safe. And until next time, Khurram, uh, we'll have you on soon again. Thank you.